Sometimes you choose courage, and at other times it's forced upon you. Courage Unraveled is a podcast series where you get to listen to insights, discussions, conversations, and stories from people from all walks of life. You'll be served with dollops of courage, resilience, and strength here. So come along and be educated and inspired. You just may find new ways to flex your own courage muscle. My name is Sana Turnock, and I'm your host. Sequential memory is something that most of us have and take for granted when we rattle off days of the week in order, learn sequences for everyday tasks or to improve at a task or skill set, or even study for exams. But what happens when you have sequential memory loss? The everyday things that we take for granted no longer apply as you have to find other ways to learn, teach and function. Aromatic medicine specialist Debbie Atterby has had sequential memory loss her whole life. When you hear Debbie's story, you'll be amazed to know that she's a trainer, lecturer, writer and presenter in the field of aromatic medicine and clinical aromatherapy. She has published a book called Health, Vitality and Wellbeing, Aromatic Detox and Elimination and is the publisher of Aromatherapy Today. Her passion, determination and grit to keep going in the aromatherapy industry is astounding. Today, I speak with Deb by phone about how she's managed to achieve all that she's done despite being thrown a curveball from very early in life. It's a real privilege to be able to share these inspiring podcasts of courage with you. The work undertaken takes many hours to put together and is self-funded. You can support the podcast series by becoming a patron and receiving access to patron-only specials and exclusives. Choose the tier that suits you. The Courage Journal is a fantastic adjunct to these podcast stories. Do you want to start flexing your own courage muscle? then grab your very own journal. Visit courageunraveled.com to find out more about the journal and how you can become a Courage Unraveled patron. Hi, Deb, and welcome to Courage Unraveled. Hi, Simon. Thank you so much for inviting me. Uh, Pleasure. Look, let's the conversation by taking you back to when you were 10 months old. What was discovered? Well, for me, obviously, I can't remember back then. (laughs) Unfortunately, with my mum and my dad, they realised I had been quite ill in those days. We're looking 60 years ago. There was a growth that was actually on the, the fontanelle of my head. And as they had gone into the hospital and removed quite a lot of my skull and part of where the brain was, they found there was tentacles and roots and all sorts of things. And of course, in those days, they had no idea about what the major issue would be. What symptoms were you displaying at the time so that your parents took you to see a professional. Okay, so my mum and dad were saying to me that it was constantly crying and crying, never settled. So obviously there was pain. Uh, there was no obvious answer for it because I couldn't speak or anything, as you know. But if they just felt that all the time that there was this, like, this swelling and this throbbing of this tumour and things like that were going on. So they had to admit me into a surgical operation over in the children's hospital in, in Sydney. So they ended up saying that it was a a growth, a tumour at the time? Yeah, well, some growth, yes. They didn't know in those days whether it was malignant or benign. All I know is that they did remove quite a massive amount of skull. And, of course, today it's still, you know, quite a lot of scarring, a lot of skull removed from that area. How did this impact your school life, you know, as a child and then as a teenager? You know, Sana, I can't really say or pinpoint truthfully whether it was 
really wasn't really good and I used to get very fuzzy eyes and, you know, I had certain little experiences throughout my life. They did say to mum and dad that, you know, that we'd be lucky to see her reach the age of 25. So it was quite a stress on my mum and dad. So when you were that young at 10 months, did they talk about sequential memory loss back then or did this diagnosis come later? Yeah, it was much, much later. It was an interesting thing about the memory because what had happened is that I struggled all the way through school. I, I, I had a lot of torment at school. People would torment me terribly because it was quite an embarrassment. I know we all suffer, a lot of people suffer with you know, many different types of learning difficulties, but this one was a bit different because there's sometimes I could say something right and then sometimes I couldn't say it right and then all of a sudden I could say it right. So it really impacted on my schooling in a very, very big way. I remember going on to high school and I, I still couldn't read in high school and mum and dad had taken me to speak reading classes. They took me to normal reading classes. They did everything they physically could do. At the end of it, by the time I was 14 and three months or something like that, I remember mum and dad coming to the school and saying to the principal there, we've decided to take Debbie out of school because she needs to do things with her hands. Obviously, she's not being able to cope. And what happened is the headmistress there turned around and said, well, she might as well go anyway because she's no good. She'll never amount to anything. So I would put her into uh, factory. You clearly still remember that. You recall how, how you felt hearing that? I clearly remember sitting in the office, but I don't remember a lot of my childhood. I don't bring back a lot of my childhood. Whether that's a choice or whether it's not a choice, I don't know. So there are blockages or blanks mm. in your memory. As an adult with this sequential memory loss, how has that helped you or not helped you in day-to-day life? powerful, isn't it? It's very powerful. I believe that's what taught me to be the teacher that I am today. That's what taught me to be able to deal with many different people and their life problems to bring skills to them. You know, I've done a lot of teaching down at the college when I had it and I had a lot of people who were suicidal, had learning difficulties and I'd bring them all through. Even if it was just to have a cert for it, body massage or whatever they achieved because I gave them a teaching program the way that I believed I should have been taught at school and they learned to achieve and it was probably a gift given not such a bad thing after all. You were pretty good with audio learning. Visually you weren't so great. You weren't able to write or read. Do you think that was due to the sequential memory loss or it was some form of dyslexia? Okay. Were you diagnosed with dyslexia later on in life? Nope, never had any diagnosing. When, when I first met you, it was in France. So we're moving forward now. It was the year 2000. And we were room buddies on a two-week clinical aromatherapy retreat. I remember back then you mentioned something about having memory issues and that you struggled to write but didn't quite understand what you meant until mm-hmm. doing research into your situation before our conversation. So it really makes me appreciate 
all of the wisdom, the learning, the teaching that you have, you've garnered, you've gathered and what you've put out there even more, yeah? As a trainer and lecturer now, because that's what you've moved into, describe what you do to remember what you need to teach to a class. You're probably going to laugh at this because one of the most greatest things in my teaching skills that have ever come forth is to work with PowerPoint. I'll put little symbols in those PowerPoints that make me remember where I was or what step I was on or where I have opened a book these days and and saw that picture in that book that related to it. I remember very clearly what people say to me. I can learn something, but I cannot learn through a computer like what people do. Doing online learning, for example? could never in a million years Mm. be able to do that. But if I stood there in the classroom and I was told every single thing, I would have a good recall when it comes to that. Does it strengthen when there's a, a practical element to, to having to learn something? I do need to go through the practical performance. I've learned to cover the embarrassment by showing another thing. I, I don't know how, if you can understand that. Did you say that you feel embarrassed about it sometimes? Oh, a lot. I've had people be quite horrible, actually, really very degrading and horrible to this day. You don't preface your teachings to say that, look, this is what's happened in my life. You don't worry about that. You just let people to their own thoughts. I cover my tracks very well with everything I do. Most of the time I think I'm pretty good. I may have to do something a million times so that I know that it's exact so people would not see that that could be an issue within my my whole life. Does that make sense? Yeah, I imagine that's a bit of a, a strategy for you. You've had all this time to create something to help you move forward in your life. So it does make sense. So- my last student that I was teaching, he had a total nervous breakdown and completely suicidal and the whole kit and caboodle and I took him on and I taught him the way I believed I should have been taught and he actually achieved. He came out with the strength to say that he should continue and become something in his life and to me that was the gift I was given to learn how to give it over to other people. Well, it's a pretty powerful thing that you're doing to have that memory of what the principal said to you at the time and then here you are doing what I think many would think would be unachievable considering what's happened to you and now you're able to help others and get them to understand and achieve. That's that's the power of the human spirit, isn't it? And I think you epitomise that. But, but I think if we can move forward, because I think this is really interesting, is that you then decided to write a book right so you know just for the listeners so they've got the perspective so you're struggling to read and write you do have a memory deficit of sorts but yet you decided to do this what was going through your mind about writing a book did you think of all those things or you just said i know it's a challenge but i'm going to do it anyway it's a Well, you never know. You just never know. Everything starts with a dream, right? You coordinate Aromatica Australia, and that's an event that you do every two years. How does sequential memory loss influence how you coordinate such a big event? I just went in there and went, yep, you can do this, Deb. And I did. You 
know, and I have some wonderful people around me. I have people who, you know, step up to the plate, like yourself. You know, when I did my first paramedica and one of our speakers felt sick, you were the first person to jump in and mm-hmm. give the most amazing talk for me. You know, I'm very lucky. I do have very good people around me and I can take my hat off to them as well. What kind of things would you need help with? People need help anyway in these situations. They're a big deal to put together. Are there things that you need to delegate that perhaps other people don't? You know, reading the documentation, that's my big problem. I can't read a form. I get very stressed about it if I have to go down and fill a form in. I usually have somebody go through that and make sure that's correct. It's part and parcel of delegating the correct thing. You were invited to teach at Aminia Natural Therapies Academy in Queensland and then asked to be a principal for the Gold Coast campus. How did this come about? What happened is that the lady who owns that particular college would go to lots of the different things that I would present. I've been bringing people to Australia since 2000, and you know, I'm talking about a lot of people within the aerobotherapy industry, bring them like Susan Cadigan, you know, Chris Merrick, and Rhiannon Lewis, and I constantly bring people within the within out of the country, within the country, to educate everybody else so that they can do it. And a lot of the time, the, the lady who was at, who owned the Avenue College would actually follow me as well because I owned the journal, the Aerobotherapy Journal as well. Since I had that many contacts throughout the world and I had gone and done so many studies overseas and basically run the journal and do all the things I did, she just said that she had an RTO, which the business wasn't at all working very well at all, and wanted to bring it up to a better standard and she said that because I had the contacts and I had the knowledge, I had the, the, the journal, I, I knew people all over the world, would I like to come into business with her and bring aromatic medicine to Australia? And I said, my dream of my life was that I said I will bring aromatic medicine to Australia. That's how it all happened. And the very first uh, class that we held was really I do remember you doing that definitely back then. I did it through total memory. Yeah, that's right. This is what's astounding to me, knowing what I know, is that you're doing a lot of literary things and yet there's a memory challenge, a memory deficit, for want of a better phrase. increased which would have meant lots of writing or someone else doing the writing for you because you're you know creating curricula and all that kind of thing what happened there
might take you a week. That's the difference. Okay. And I guess you have to be patient because things take more time for you. Yeah. I yeah. spend writing the journal. I write all my profiles. I don't have anybody help me with any of my profiles. It will definitely take me a couple of months. I mean, I'm working already now on the winter journal. I've just finished the come summer one. Now I'm on to the autumn winter one. So I'm already working right now on that every day so I can get it right. To be a publisher was also a dream of yours and it's come true. So you're the publisher of Aromatherapy today. How did that come about? I had some very good colleagues who I I knew for a long time. It was just lucky, I suppose, or unlucky for some. Their relationship was breaking up and they owned the Aromatherapy Today Journal. They were the second owners and they were looking at selling it. And I thought, gosh, am I game enough to give it a go? And I thought, you know what? I can do this. You can do anything if you try. There is always someone out there that will support and help me. And I'm going, yep, I'll go for it. So you've got the publication happening, Aromatherapy Today. You've written the first book, which is Health, Vitality and Wellbeing, Aromatic Detox and Elimination. You've taught clinical aromatherapy, aromatic medicine and aromatic detoxification in Asian countries. Can you recall the first time... Mm -hmm. What was that, sorry? I've done workshops in Hungary. I've been to the state and taught as well and run workshops as well. So your teaching has extended beyond Asia now. Can you recall the first time you were actually invited to do this? I was nervous. I didn't want to make any mistakes. I learnt it back to front, upside down, inside out. If I hadn't had it read to me a thousand times, I had it read to me a million times. And so when I went in there and put everything in front, I just I just recall. So it's about repetition for you? Of course, it's repetition. The response was wonderful. I have a lot of permanent work over there now. I've got Korea you know, as well now, and I'm looking at setting up a correspondence course with Korea and doing a full diploma for them. So lots of things in the pipeline and clearly lots of the written work. You, you won't escape that basically doing what you do in your vocation. No. What has sequential memory loss taught you about yourself? Sometimes it's taught me that I'm very, very saddened, but then when I stop and I think about it, it made me realise that it was a gift and I really try and use that gift wisely, especially with other people that have learning difficulties. It's taught me to have more understanding and more respect for whatever that person may be dealing with in their life. A lot of people don't understand me, really. Sometimes they look at me and probably don't really know how deep this is. I watch them sometimes look at me in a different view than what they probably would really ever realise how sincere and honest and deep I am as a sort of thing. What does courage mean to you? Courage is survival. Courage is giving people the ability to deal with life with beautiful open eyes compared to what I have been through. It's about making people be able to understand that they too can move forward no matter what happens within the scope of their life, showing them ways that are most probably different to the normal black and white person. Mm. Being able to give that gift is courage. Giving people a door to walk through is courage. Giving people the ability to be their own human is courage. With what you've just said there, do you think you have courage? Absolutely. I'm glad you said that. (laughs) 
because, <laughs> you know, you've pretty much ticked all those boxes of grit and resilience and perseverance. You know what? My lovely friend, I think you have amazing grit, perseverance and a lovely determination. I want to say thanks so much for being on Courage Unraveled today and may you continue doing your amazing work. I want to thank you and I don't know how I can say this, but I am so proud that you are my friend and I love you too. Thank you, my love. Bye now. There is so much to Deb's story. Adapting to new ways of learning and teaching, sharing those skills with others and walking the path as a clinical aromatherapist and aromatic medicine professional is joyous and challenging. Talking to Debbie today was a real privilege and I'm honoured to say that she's a friend. Jump on to courageunraveled.com forward slash podcasts if you want to find Debbie's details. Thank you for listening today. I'd also like to mention Marsh Triple Zero from Australia who gave this review. I just finished listening to Karen Crunchlow's Courageous Story and I can't wait to listen to all the others. I want more. Thank you so much. You're welcome, Marsh Triple Zero. If you like what you're listening to, please subscribe via your favourite directory and leave a review of your own. My name is Sana Turnock. I'm your host. Until next time.